everyone and welcome to full circle your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members and graduates of the first voice apprenticeship program broadcasting from right here at kpfa in huchin occupied ohlone territory also known to you settlers as berkeley california tonight we will feature some sounds recorded at recent events out here in antioch on tonight's show, we'll hear voices from the Stop the Violence March and Rally held in the Sycamore Corridor of Antioch. We'll also hear No Drilling Brentwood March and Rally sounds put together by youth leaders in Antioch and Brentwood, along with the Sunflower Alliance. All that tonight on Full Circle. I am your host tonight, Freewell and Franklin, coming to you from downtown Antioch. This is Bay Miwok territory right here. Keep it locked. KPFA. All right, welcome back to. Wait a minute, I'm having a little technical difficulty. You know what? Actually, I'm having a lot of technical difficulty. You know, I'm tired. I'm tired of this stupid little corner office studio. I'm tired of Zoom meetings. I'm tired of being stuck at this stupid little desk. You know what? You know what you're going to hear for the next hour? Radio silence, because I'm tired and sick and tired of these stupid headphones clogging my ears. The next 58 minutes for you is going to be radio silence, because I am out the door. Peace. April Fools. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, yes. April Fools to you all. Um welcome back. You know I love being here on the airwaves with you all. I just couldn't let this moment pass by without doing anything. So thank you for indulging my funny side for the moment. So again, welcome to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. My name is Freewillen Franklin, and I'm your host tonight. And no, tonight is not a comedy show. In fact, it is some serious business. So let's get on to our first story of the night. On Saturday, March 12th, I attended the No Drilling Contra Costa Youth Event held at the Antioch Water Park, organized by local youth groups and the Sunflower Alliance. The action was in response to recent drilling activity in Brentwood, right on the Antioch-Brentwood border. Recently, the Antioch City Council has put a ban on oil and gas drilling within the city limits and the Brentwood City Council has been taking its own action and looking into the matters of drilling on its lands. Contra Costa, on the other hand, has recently approved a drill site and even a wastewater injection site 
right on Deer Valley Road, right in the southeast end near the city boundaries of Antioch. Coming up next, you're going to hear voices of the youth that participated in the No Drilling Contra Costa rally. And then we'll jump right into an interview I did with Brentwood resident Ken Irvin and Sunflower Alliance organizer Shoshana Wexler. Check it out. Okay, so we've had amazing speakers today. And before we go on, I just want to introduce myself and tell you a little bit about me. I'm Salam Aswa. I'm a senior at Heritage High School. Thank you. <laughs> and even though youth can't directly vote on legislation, it's just as important that we announce our reservations about the proposed oil drilling site. So on my shirt, I'm wearing a Project Climate shirt. And at Heritage, make some noise, Project Climate, I see you over there, woo! Okay. <laughs> So we're an organization at Heritage aimed at mitigating climate change. And so <laughs> this year we focused on gathering student voices for the impending oil drilling site. And as we gathered signatures, I was constantly baffled by the amount of students and staff who wanted to help. Students and staff who I didn't know coming up to me asking me, how can we help? How can we spread this oil petition? And as I saw all these students and I saw all these signatures, I started to ask myself, why? Why were the students at Heritage High School so interested in an issue that wasn't really trendy or wasn't really popular? And I realized it's because we care. The youth care. And today, I stand before you to say that we care. And <laughs> we care. And it's not just Heritage High School that cares. In a second, I'm gonna list off some schools that'll be affected by the new drilling site. And so, if you're students at these high schools, middle schools, elementary schools, or if you're a parent of a student that goes to this high school, or have family members that go to this high school, please raise your hand. Heritage High School, keep your hand up. <laughs> Deer Valley High School, Dozier Libby Medical School, Adams Middle School, Bristow Middle School, Dallas Ranch Middle School, Buck Diamond Middle School, Loma Vista Elementary School, Ron Nunn Elementary School, Cray Elementary School, Brentwood Elementary School, Diablo Vista Elementary School, Pioneer Elementary School, Lone Tree Elementary School, Jack London Elementary School. I want you guys to take a look around and look at all the students and family members that'll be impacted by this oil drilling site. This is only a fraction of the students, the fraction of the family members that'll be affected if this oil drilling site goes in action. Thank you, you can put your hands down. <laughs> Thank you so much. If we're given a platform to protect our environment, now is the time to use it. Now is the time to take a stance against oil drilling site. Our future is at stake. But how can we really take a stance? Next, we'll hear from Manisha Ratu from Pittsburgh Youth Action to tell us the story of community empowerment and what we can accomplish when we organize together. Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm really grateful to be here in community with all of you alongside these incredible organizers. My name is Manisha Ratu. I'm a lifelong Pittsburgh resident and a co-founder of Pittsburgh Youth Action. I'm here to share a small piece of a movement that rocked the Pittsburgh community and quite frankly, changed my worldview and life trajectory. 
I got involved with environmental justice organizing eight years ago as a high schooler when Westpac, an energy infrastructure company, proposed to bring in more than 200,000 barrels of crude oil daily by ship, by rail, and a pipeline into Pittsburgh. They intended to store the oil close to homes, churches, and the Delta. The environmental impact report acknowledged that the project posed significant and unavoidable risks, such as reduced air quality. At this time, Pittsburgh had the second highest rates of asthma-related hospitalizations in the county. We also didn't have an air monitor. So Westpac was using data from an air monitor all over across the hill from Concord to justify constructing in Pittsburgh. Thankfully, and quite surprisingly, the Pittsburgh community came out in full swing against this project and said, hell no. What began as one woman, Liana Monterey, going door to door informing her neighbors about this project became a community-wide regional movement. The anti-Westpac organizing effort was split between two major community groups, Pittsburgh Defense Council and Pittsburgh Ethics Council. I had the privilege of organizing with both of these groups and organizing within both spaces. These two groups embraced completely different tactics and drew in different members of the Pittsburgh community. Pittsburgh Defense Council tried to build personal connections with council members and tried to help them recognize the harms that this project posed. Pittsburgh Ethics Council, on the other hand, felt as though the city had made up its mind and that it did not make sense for residents to have to negotiate for clean air, for clean water, for their lives. The result of these two groups was a truly intersectional overall movement that employed a number of tactics, such as organized rallies and marches like the one today, formal petitions, spoken word events, youth art demonstrations, toxic tours, and even community-led air monitoring. Westpac and the city council had originally believed that this project was gonna get quietly approved. But with the help of the Pittsburgh Ethics Council and the Defense Council, the people of Pittsburgh made their voices heard. After two and a half years of being challenged at every step, the Westpac project was infeasible and too expensive to move forward. In 2015, Westpac was forced to withdraw their Pittsburgh oil terminal project due to quote unquote business reasons. We however know that they were tired of having to clash against the community that was ready to challenge them at every step. I wanted to share this story with you all today to emphasize three points. One, people like us all have the power to challenge companies and institutions and win. You especially have extremely powerful voices. Two, these are long fights. Two and a half years was honestly on the shorter end. There are communities fighting these fights for decades, which is exhausting. But we have to remember, it took centuries and hundreds of billions of dollars to create these institutions and these systems of inequities, and it's gonna take time and significant investments to address these inequities and build a new system. Three, there will be conflicts within movements. We all may be fighting the same fight, but we have different ways of getting there. We have to learn to align our values and work together. And finally, I want to close with the words of Andres Soto, a pillar in the Richmond environmental justice community that I've taken to heart. You can't change the world if you can't change your hometown. Thank you all.
All right, and now we'll hear from Elizabeth Ibarra from Youth V Apocalypse. Scientists and health professionals have been telling us the damage that fossil fuel operations cause to our health and to our planet. Yet these corporations continue to threaten all of this every day that they continue to operate. We see it in my home of Richmond, where the Chevron refinery flares constantly, causes oil spills, and releases the most harmful pollutants that causes my community to have higher rates of cancer, asthma, and other respiratory illnesses. We see it in Kern County, who has been on the front line of this health and climate crisis. We see it in Martinez and in Rodeo. We see it all over California, where two million Californians live within one mile of fossil fuel infrastructure a disproportionate amount whom are black and brown communities like mine. We see it all over the country and we see it all over the world. I see my community suffer, my state burn, and hear how scientists describe our future. And it terrifies our entire generation every day. Fossil fuel extraction is causing climate destruction and is contributing to our generation's future being taken right from us. This is why we say no more drilling where we're living. No more drilling in Contra Costa and no more letting corporations get away with taking our futures right out of our hands. It's important that we continue to call it every time that we see it and that we start holding them accountable for all of the damage that they've caused to our soil, our water, our land, our lungs, and our futures. And it's important that we start working towards a future that is just and sustainable, a future where no one is treated as disposable because none of us are. It's time to imagine a future like we've never seen before, and it's up to us to continue to stand together and make it happen. Thank you. All right, yeah, let me just have you introduce yourselves, and uh, we'll start with there. Hello, my name is Alexi Lindemann, and I am currently a senior at Heritage High School. I'm also the chair of Sustainable Leaders in Actions, the, the group that organized the whole entire thing. I'm Ian Cohen. I'm a sophomore at Heritage High School. I'm currently 16, and I work with Alexi Sustainable Leaders in Action under public policy. All right. And uh, first, I guess, what got you into protecting the climate? You know, how did that come to you? What made you want to do stuff like this? Well, I mean, like, it goes way back when, but basically for me, it's just protecting the life that can't protect itself and just if people don't have enough time or if things, they don't have a voice like trees or any other animal, like I want to help them and I'm always about helping people. And um, furthermore, it's just like, this is our future, this is our home. It's not only protecting myself, but it's protecting future generations. It's protecting people who don't have time and money to go out there and take a stand against, or um, or who, who might not even know about this drilling that's going on. Like I didn't know until just like a year ago. So that's why I am doing this right now. And that's why I've always been really involved in like climate action. And uh, how did you get into uh, protecting the climate? What was it first just said, hey, I want to do something like this? Well, it was just really about recycling from a young age. As young as second grade, I learned, okay, cans go here, pizza box goes here. And just that continuing education. And then now when it comes to oil drilling, just educating people about what's going on in their backyards, 900 feet behind their home or a mile from their high school or elementary school. Just, just education is so crucial to our world. And you both worked with the Antioch City Council to work on uh, stopping the pipeline that was going through town? Yeah? Yes, yes. All right, well, uh, tell me a little bit about that. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, so we got an email from Harry Thurston, someone who kind of like lets people know what's going on. And then we got our whole entire group to just make public comments at that meeting. And then later on, we found out it was oh, that night. We found out it was a three-two vote for a ban. It was super close, but we did it, and it was honestly amazing. And you, were you a part of that? Were you a part of that fight too? Yes, I was a part of that fight. I was one of the kids who probably commented, and they said in the council meeting that they were shocked. So many high schoolers spoke up. This pipeline crosses the county, and it goes right underneath our high school, Heritage High School in Brentwood. And it goes underneath homes and a senior living facility. And, like, I mean, we saw what happened in San Bruno when the gas pipeline blew up there. I mean, what would you think if this one blew up? Was that just, you think of that often, or...? Oh yeah, that's that was like honestly terrifying because it it goes right by a hospital too and another um a, a high school so I'm like it it just wouldn't be good it would close the roads in the area and there's just so many people around like it's it's not a good thing. And about you, you thought about that? It's my living nightmare. This yeah. uh, pipeline only had trail sausage or a million dollar insurance policy. That is not enough to replace our infrastructure. This could damage. And I live right by this pipeline. I go to school next to this pipeline. That's like my living nightmare. That's the worst case ever that could happen to me. As for your future, what would you guys like to see? Um, you guys both from Antioch residents or? I'm, I'm from Antioch, he's from Brentwood. All right, so what would you like to see in Antioch in the next like 10, 15, 20 years? If you live your whole life here, what would be like your great vision of the future of Antioch? Yeah, for sure. Energy-wise, um, <laughs> of course. Energy-wise, I would like to see a lot more solar panels up and um, that transition so we aren't as dependent on these fossil fuels as shown. Um, more public transit. I know there's a ton of traffic, especially along Lone Tree Way. If we could shift it over, it not only saves time, but it's also releasing less fossil fuels and carbon dioxide and um, in the air. Um, and, of course, that drilling site that's on along Deer Valley Road, um, I don't want to see that anymore. And how about you? I just want to see the city, not just with, with the environment, but other issues, just listen to the youth more. In 10 or 50 years, we're going to be voters. We're going to be adults. We're going to have families. I personally live in Brentwood, but I want to see Antioch, Brentwood, Oakley, all these cities work together just to build a platform for youth, not just to voice their concerns about the environment, but voice their concerns about everything. I guess I'll end on this because um, right now the whole world is kind of focused on Ukraine and what's happening there. And our own government, President Biden, has talked about um, ramping up the domestic oil production. How does that leave you feeling as someone that does all this work? We're already too dependent on fossil fuels. I mean, if we weren't, then they wouldn't need to release all of these other things. And it just shows to me how we need to get off and move more towards clean energy. Otherwise, we are susceptible to crises like this with Ukraine and Russia, where we're like, we're scrambling to get more oil. Um, and it's oil and gas and fossil fuels, it's a finite resource. We need to move away from it sometime sooner or later. And it's better to do it now um, and save more in the long run from the climate-related um, disasters and just these the little dependencies on other things. And how about you? How's that left you feeling, seeing that they want to ramp up and they're ready to drill and just keep on going? Uh, well, it seems to be slightly disappointed that our government is not finding ways to make us less dependent on oil, either if it's international or domestic. We're dependent on all this oil. And if geopolitics gets in the way, our prices are going up. We're paying a lot more at the pump. If we could get away from uh, these fossil fuels where we have to like deal with the increasing prices and inflation, that's a better world if we can find ways to get away from it. Like there's hydrogen, there's electric cars, and we need to invest more into the science to learn more about this.
All right, I guess the last question would be, what would you want to say to other people out there, especially the young folks, about getting involved or doing something to take action? For sure. Um, if they could just follow us on at no drilling Contra Costa, all lowercase, no space, then we will post updates on there. Um, of course, we have a petition on our link tree. It's um, also on that site, but I can just say it right here. L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E dash no drilling cc um there's a bunch of information so spread the word sign the petition just get your voice out there and heard and you how what would you like to say to the youth out there um, try to kick them into action get them involved just speak up to your elected officials that's the first step make your voice heard go to your city council go to your county supervisor even go to your congressman make your voice heard because once you're 18 you're their voter if you don't make your voice heard nothing will happen all right, well, thank you very much, and thanks for uh, all your work today to make this huge action happen. Of course, thank you. Thank you. Everyone, welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM, KPFA, and KPFA.org, part of the Pacifica Radio Network. And you just heard some sounds from the No Drilling Brentwood event that happened um, a couple weeks ago right here in Antioch, California. And those were the youth voices I pulled out of the stage sound. If you'd like to hear the entire stage, including the mayor of Antioch and physicians who speak out about the proposed drilling, I will post that on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight. And to bring us in on some more information on what's really going on on the ground out here in Contra Costa County, in particular, the east side, way over here in Brentwood and Antioch, um, with the drilling and with the oil and gas production, I got two guests. First is Ken Irvin, a Brentwood resident of Shadow Lakes, along with uh, Shoshana Wexler, and she's part of the Sunflower Alliance, who helped organize um, the youth and the No Drilling Brentwood event. And uh, Sunflower Alliance has been doing fossil fuel resistance work with impacted communities for the, the past decade. So um, let me welcome you, Ken. Welcome to Full Circle on KPFA. Good morning. Thanks for being here. And also you, Shoshana, thanks for joining us today on KPFA. Pleasure to be here. And I guess we'll just start out like we mentioned um, before we got on the air here. And let's um, I think we're going to go to Ken on this. Can we get a little bit of the history out here in Brentwood or basically far east Contra Costa County? Because like most people, when you think of fossil fuel production or oil and gas drilling in Contra Costa, most people's eyes are kind of stuck to Martinez, Benicia, even Pittsburgh and the more industrialized area. But give us a little history on what's been going on out in Brentwood, this more rural and um, agricultural area. Yes, um, in the area next to uh, Deer Valley Road, there was an existing oil well when I moved out here in 2003. I also learned digging into the documentation uh, when I purchased my home in this development that's called Brentwood Hills, uh, which is also adjacent to Shadow Lakes, that this area was an abandoned oil field. 
And what that means is that there are also some homes with methane vents up through the walls of their homes. At any rate, more recently, in the last three years, there has been an effort to reinvigorate the uh, oil drilling activity in this area. Uh, it is in county territory as opposed to within the cities of Antioch and Brentwood. Uh, but nonetheless, it's very, very close to residences, uh, hospital, uh, schools, and thus presents a hazard. Yeah, well, thanks for um, for telling us about that, because I don't think a lot of people know that out there in those hills, um, right off to the um, the east side of Deer Valley Road was a more of a larger drilling area that has since been defunct, uh, mainly defunct. And those residents, like you said, were built over some of those old abandoned wells with those methane vents in their house. I don't think a lot of people know that. Mostly, I think they see the one or two pumps that are right there on the side of the road. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to tell us about the history before I get into um, bring in Shoshana about um, what's happening now and how this new kickoff got started? Well, there there is an effort to install three more drilling locations within 900 feet of the Brentwood Hills homes. And if that drilling was strictly vertical, it would probably not be as much of an issue, although still not satisfactory. But there are recent techniques and technology that would allow them to drill horizontally back underneath these homes. And so we're interested in getting the city of Brentwood, uh, Antioch has already done this, to ban drilling within the city limits. So effectively cutting that off, uh, that possibility. However, um, the literature is replete with all kinds of uh, studies relating to the health and safety aspects of drilling so close to residential areas. And I would just direct your attention to, if you've ever driven through the Western part of Kern County, it is a wasteland where they have been doing drilling for some time. And we certainly don't want drilling activity to cause that kind of an environment for the people of Brentwood and Antioch. Definitely. I, uh, I've driven through there myself and seen the wasteland. So I definitely don't want our beautiful hills um, turning into that. Again, thank you, Ken. I want to turn to Shoshana now and get a little update on what has been recently happening. Thanks for being patiently waiting there, Shoshana. Can you bring us up to date on who are the players and the companies that are kickstarting this new um, uptick in the, the drive to bring drilling and production back to the Brentwood area? Sure. So let's recall that the last time there was any kind of significant oil drilling in eastern Contra Costa was really 50 years ago. And at that time we had Chevron and Exxon working the old Brentwood oil and gas field as it's known. Um, they determined that it just wasn't worth it, that there wasn't enough oil there to, to mess with. And so they 
shut down their activity. Flash forward to the summer of 2019, and unbeknownst to anybody, really, um, there was a permit before Contra Costa County uh, to plant a drill pad um, on Deer Valley Road in unincorporated Antioch, as Ken just mentioned. And it was, in fact, they had already started drilling there six months before the permit was even approved by the county. And it was approved, by the way, without even uh, a signature from the county's own health department. I mean, the whole process was pretty negligent. So that's how we ended up with an active drill site on Deer Valley Road within a half mile of Kaiser Antioch, a half mile of schools, including ironically enough, um, a, a Dozier Libby Science High School, pending senior housing, et cetera, et cetera. And this half mile distance is, is important to remember because this is precisely the proposed distance that the state is suggesting now needs to be between oil and gas production facilities and sensitive receptors, as they call elderly people, young people, pregnant people, et cetera, et cetera. So we have a situation where people are actually living now within a half mile of this active drill site. And there is another live proposal before the county to drill within 900 feet of Ken's home and Ken and his neighbor's homes. This is crazy. Why now at precisely the point when we need to be rapidly phasing out fossil fuel production if we want to have a livable planet? We know this. The IPCC has been issuing a series of very dire reports that tell us in a very substantiated way that this is the case. Um, we are not taking this seriously enough. This, these series of warnings that we've been getting from our highest global scientific authorities, right? Um, just a reminder, we have about five more minutes and I wanna make sure we name um, who are these players and what, you know, what steps we can take as um, citizens of Contra Costa to help either shut the ones down that are there now or prevent further ones for the future. So go ahead and finish up what you were about to say, and then let's move into like what we can do. Um, so who are these companies and this person? Well, there is actually one individual who is on a one-man mission to resurrect oil drilling in East Contra Costa County. Uh, he is actually a third-generation apple grower who is a resident of Brentwood and also fancies himself as some kind of James Dean-ish wildcatter. His name is Bob Nunn, and he has friends. He has very well-capitalized friends uh, in the form of Raybould, which is a, a UK-based fossil fuel company, and also PowerDrive, which I, I believe is uh, Indiana-based. And he partners with him uh, with these companies on these projects. So we have two agencies who are the enablers here. And I really think that they properly should be the focus of our activism. Bob Nunn is operating legally because the county allows him to do it. And so does the state of California. And it's important to know that 
on May 11th, Contra Costa County is going to be reviewing the conservation element of its brand new general plan, which will set oil and gas policy through 2040. And it's hugely important for folks to show up at that planning commission meeting at which the new oil and gas policy is unveiled and we need to respond. And we need to say to the county, no, not even minimal setbacks are desirable. What we need to do is make oil and gas drilling a prohibited land use in Contra Costa County. And real quick, Shoshana with the Sunflower Alliance, Shoshana Wexler, give us some contact information or some social media handles where people can follow what's going on in Brentwood and Contra Costa County and how to speak up at these upcoming meetings. So there's a lot going on and it also involves the state of California. Uh, Let me just relay very quickly that the Oil and Gas Regulatory Agency for the state, CalGEM, just approved an injection well, did it on Thanksgiving, that would absorb the, that would store the very, very toxic produced water that comes up with the oil at the active drill site on Deer Valley Road. They're going to be injecting this this produced water into an old dry gas well that was permitted in 1972. And the state argues that because it was once permitted, it is forever viable. That is to say, this is a zombie well that will not die. And there are 273 plugged and abandoned wells that can be pressed into service again at the whim of any wildcatter that comes along. The state says that's just okay. So this is another front that we have to attend to. All of this information is posted on and is constantly updated on the Sunflower Alliance website, sunflower-alliance.org. We have unfortunately had to sue CalGEM to deal with this injection well. We could use your financial support. We're just a little grassroots organization uh, that is composed exclusively of volunteers like myself. So we, we, we really could use community support. We could use your voices, your turnout at this May 11th county meeting. So they're, they're, it, it, the, the problem keeps mushrooming. And frankly, with 273 plugged and abandoned wells in East Contra Costa, anything can happen. Unless you decide to really stop any expansion of, of fossil fuel production and really convince the county and the state that we need to start phasing out existing production. Definitely. And um, we will post a link to those uh, social media contacts and a way to follow Sunflower Alliance and what's going on in Brentwood and Contra Costa County on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight. Again, Ken Irvin and uh, Brentwood resident and Shoshana Wexler, Sunflower Alliance, thanks for bringing us up to date on what's going on. And again, thank you for bringing up that injection site. We were talking about that. Um, previously, and we know that we don't want that um, chemical water being injected into the ground out there. Um, Ken, living so close, that water would uh, 
mingle with groundwater. And as we understand it, Brentwood gets its main source of water from um, pumping groundwater. Again, thank you both for joining us tonight on Full Circle. You're welcome. Thanks, Frank. She will not be by. I said, yeah, mama, ain't no controlling her. Bring up the temperature. Move for your culture. Move. We've been all given the same tools and you. What you've been given to stay true. Don't lose. Side of the struggle, we all bruise. Now choose. Don't let the institution control your own views. Get educated and you can build your own schools. Be independent, but think collective. No rules. Nobody rules you or your thoughts and that's true. Mama, we're providing the crops. We love you, mama. Ain't no stopping her. Bring up the temperature. You can call the officer. Bring on the bombs and the guns and the onslaught. She cannot be on it. She will not be by. I said, Offshore drilling her, make oil spilling her, put land filling her, clear cut billing her, bid while killing her, print dollar billing her, make man willing to rape and pillage her. It's over. Enter the cops out on the block in they quota. Temperature drops and everybody getting colder. Who is a controller? Mama gon' show ya. You can never tame her, train her, or control her. You can only worship, caretaker, and hold her. Mama is the life giver, taker, and owner. Yeah, all right. Welcome back to Full Circle right here on 94.1 FM KPFA and KPFA.org, part of the Pacifica Network. That song you just heard was Mama by KPFA's own Ross Kadi and Audio Pharmacy. Before that, you heard my interview with Ken Irvin and Shoshana Wexler about gas and oil drilling in Contra Costa County. And again, we'll have contact information to the Sunflower Alliance and No Drilling Contra Costa, along with a link to that music break on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight. Now, moving on, on February 26th, community organizations led by Reimagine Antioch and Moms Demand Action came out to the Sycamore Corridor in Antioch. This is a community highly impacted by violence out here. At the time, there had been a recent spat of violence culminating in two high-profile events, the February 9th shooting of a 76-year-old woman who died after she was shot while riding in a car in Antioch, and the case of Alexis Parsons, 30 years old, and Malik El Amin, 15-year-old, who were found dead inside their apartment on January 29th in the very neighborhood we were marching in. These were the victims of domestic violence. These are some sounds I recorded at the rally in March to stop the violence in Antioch. First and foremost, my name is Kibibi, Kibibi Columbus. I am an um, Antioch resident. Um, I live here in the Sycamore uh, community, and I just want to say thank you all for coming out, for joining, you know, the leaders and the community leaders that um, felt that on their heart to put this together. That it was just, we wanted to come into this community, um, in particular down this end, to show some love, show some support, you know, let the people know that here we haven't forgotten about them, and that um, we stand against violence and unity, but in love, amen. We're not coming to condemn. We're just coming to say, hey, we care enough to speak up. How about that? 
Amen. And so um, we just also want to reimagine Antioch, a safe place uh, for all families, not just here in this community, but throughout the city of Antioch. Amen. But we just recognize that today this is where we are needed. So um, thank you all, Moms Demand Action. Um, whatever organization or whatever church, I see 100 years. I'm not familiar with that, but to God be the glory. Thank you all for um, just coming out. Um, press everyone, Bonafide Sisterhood, Nita Carter. We're going to have her speak in a moment. Um, we're going to have um, our council member for District 1, Tamisha Walker, to come up and say some words. Then we're going to have Michelle Sennett, did I, can I say right, from Moms Demand Action. And then we're gonna have Nita Carter, amen, Bonafide Sisterhood to come up and speak some words. Thank God for men and women of you, like you, who have a heart and who do this kind of work all the time. This is like what you guys do, amen. So um, thank you again um, for coming out. And um, Tamisha Walker, would you like to come and speak? Um, give Kibibi a hand. Kibibi, I met Kibibi over 10 years ago when I used to be an organizer with um, Cisco, Contra Costa Interfaith Supporting Community Organization. And so um, I'm just excited to be here. Tamisha Torres Walker, District 1 Council Member. Um, I intentionally walked in this community when I ran for office. And it was because I knew nobody else would walk here and I wasn't afraid. I'm not afraid today, and I wasn't afraid to come out here and be with the family of Malik and Alexis when they were brutally murdered in their home and left to rot for four to five days before anybody said anything. We have got to do something in our community. If you see something, if you hear something, you should say something. You could save a life. And I know that it's out of fear, out of being afraid that you're gonna be targeted. But the reality is, is whether you're afraid or not, the violence is gonna continue. So why not stand up and do something about it? Why not say something about it? And if you are facing violence yourself, then you deserve the help and support you need. I believe in helping and supporting those who are, um, who do harm and those who have received harm because hurt people hurt people. And generational trauma is what we're dealing with. So I have a little facts that I wanna raise up before I hand it over. Regional efforts to address violence began in 2016 with the use of AB 109 realignment dollars. And between 2017 and 2020, over 30 residents were engaged in efforts to reduce violence in Pittsburgh and Antioch. After three years of planning, the money dried up, the meetings were canceled, and the community stopped responding. Shame on us. March 10th, 2020, I reached out to then Councilwoman Joy Mott, then Chief Tammany Brooks, and even school board member Ellie Householder in an effort to get the city to apply for CalVIP funding, then totaling $9 million to get out ahead of the violence we are all experiencing today. But no, 
Joy Ma never responded to my email. And Chief Brooks not only denied that there was even a problem, he never even considered applying for these funds. Back then, the state identified Antioch as having seven or more homicides and a homicide rate at least 25% higher than the statewide homicide rate, according to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, right? Because we're not just talking about gun violence in our community. There's all kinds of violence in our community. And we need to stand up against those forms of violence as well. And so according to the National Coalition of Gun Violence, 32.9% of Californian women and 27.3% of Californian men um, experience intimate partner physical violence, intimate partner sexual violence, and intimate partner stalking in their lifetime. And that's men as well. According to the Family Crisis Center, one in 15 children are exposed to intimate partner violence each year and 90% of these children are eyewitnesses to this violence, like Malik, and he lost his life. It is important to remember and lift up the fact that communities impacted by violence have the essential expertise about what produces safety, what constitutes accountability, and what facilitates healing. I believe that any work to reduce the cycle of violence in our community in particular must be deeply rooted in wisdom, power, and engagement of the people whose lives are most at stake. Everyone is important. Every life matters. And everyone should be involved and at the center of the issue of combating violence and the solutions in our community. Thank you, everybody who came out today and walked. Thank you, Moms Demand Action, Bonafide Sisterhood, and everybody else who has come to the, day, to the table to apply for this next round of CalVIP funds, which is gonna bring $1.2 million to the city of Antioch over the next three years to combat violence in our community, particularly gun violence. All right, we're back on KPFA uh, with City Council member Tamisha Torres Walker. And we are out here at Conchaloma Park, just behind uh, Sycamore on Mahogany and Manzanita. And we just uh, returned from a Silence the Violence or Stop the Violence March. Um, tell me why you organized and, or helped organize this March today with your, uh, your teammates. Reimagine Antioch is a group of community members who came together to you know, use our time to think about how we reimagine Antioch around public safety and resources. And so um, we have been looking at this community for a while as like a high impact community for violence. And what made today's walk happen was the loss of Alexis, a good friend of ours and her stepson to domestic violence, but also just the the brash of shootings in this area and community members calling saying that they want a safer community to live in and they don't want to have to move to do it and so this walk was just the first of what we hope is many or many opportunities to engage the community um, so that we could bring more community violence solutions but and resources here and so marching and getting out on the streets to let us let people know we're here to help and do what we can is one thing but how do you go you as a um, part of the city government. How do you go about it behind the scenes to transform an area into a safer environment? 
what is it that makes people safe? Um, I mean, the, the thing that we have to do is the people closest to the pain have the solutions. And so the only way we're going to know is what make a community safe is if we get out there and engage the community. And then it's my job on the back end as a council member to investigate the resources in the city to make that happen. Something that's really amazing is that I was able to advocate for a Department of Public Safety and Community Services, which is a new department in the city, and I will be working directly with the city manager's office to actually build that office out to meet the needs of the community. We know public safety is not just police and fire, but it's all of the other resources you need in the community to make people feel safe, like jobs, clean air, clean water, clean streets. Um, quality education, um, affordability, et cetera. So one of the big things is redirecting our resources in the city to meet the need. And this new Department of Public Safety and Community Resources is going to be key in making that happen. And how can people follow the work that you're doing as a council member or the work with Reimagine Antioch? You can um, email me um, at twalker at antiochca.gov. You can follow me on Facebook, um, Tamisha Torres Walker, Antioch City Council District 1. And, um, yeah, and I'll just get back to you. All right, and what's in your immediate future? Anything um, coming up to watch out for? My reelection. <laughs> all right, we'll follow you on that. Thank you so much, Frank, for all your work. All right, thank you. All right, yeah, just while you introduce yourself to people, tell us uh, who you are. I see the 100 Years Gear. Yes, sir. Yeah, tell us uh, who is 100 Years and what you're all doing out here. Oh, 100 Years Enterprise. Oh, and I'm sorry, let me, in, uh, can you introduce yourself, yes, sir. sir? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My name is LeJean Reese, and I am one of three founding members of 100 Years, 100 years Enterprise. And collectively, we did over 100 years of incarceration as youth offenders. Uh, yes, sir. And so um, I went in at the age of 17 in 1987. I returned home in 2018 of September. At uh, wait, no, wait, just for people that didn't get it, say it one more time. I came home. I was released from incarceration, from parole, from having a life sentence in 2018. No longer on parole and have two businesses. One is 100 Years Enterprise and the second is Motivated to Help Others. And they both are nonprofit organizations. And, uh, you want to jump in, sir? Tell me your name. And oh, yeah, I am one of the founders of 100 Years Enterprise. My name is Patrick Scott. I collectively done 31 years in prison. I've been out since 2020, April 18, 2020. Um, again, we're here to support the cause that's going on today. Also, we've got a podcast on 100 Years Enterprise podcast where we talk about at-risk youth and returning citizens how to acclimate back in society. So right. our podcast depict what we did as juveniles. I went in when I was 19 years old and I came out when I was 50. And so with that being said, we came out here and we started a business which is 100 years. I also had Dorothy.org, which is Defenders of Real Truth Helping Youth. And we just, you know, give back to youth. We do, we also go to Greenwood Academy and we, you know, get in contact with the at-risk youth, talk about, you know, what it really means to be at-risk, you know what I mean? Cause we went in at a young age and so that just entails everything we do. We also have articles in the paper, you know what I mean? And so we go around, compare with the cat we right now and works with the juvenile hall system to go in there and be mentors for those at-risk youth. So when they come out, they have mentors to help them reacclimate. Well, um, a lot of us are gathered out here because we've had a kind of a spike in, in violence out here, in youth violence and gun violence. And um, one was domestic violence. Um, why is it important for uh, you two gentlemen to come out 
and support when uh, something like this goes on. For me, I kind of come out to say, uh, you know, why, why is this happening? Why do you guys come out to support uh, movements like this? Uh, we come out because it's very important to show how we understand what's going on in the communities, Antioch, the Bay Area, and abroad. And me specifically, I'm someone who helped mess up the society, mess up the communities with the gun violence. So it's all about giving back and showing, hey, if I can change, anybody can change. Unless, unless you know, coming together, there's too many broken homes, there's too many families, and there's too many victims. You know, there's too many families that are suffering from this gun violence, for this stupidity. I call it stupidity and ignorance because we're doing something um, unconsciously. And, it's a, and it's the impact is so great. So we here as 100 years just to try to show people that we care and we understand and be very empathetic to everyone. And that's why we're here. And you feel like since you're kind of an OG and been through the system, you feel like you might be able to get through to some people and, uh, you know, just kind of from experience, maybe you could help somebody out, you know, and just keep them out of trouble one time. Absolutely, we have a mentoring program. So we went to the youth, Richmond, Vallejo, and we're trying to uh, migrate out here to Antioch also. So we have mentor programs and we are connecting with the youth through um, Greenwood Academy, which is Richmond. Through, uh, we, we connected through the Boys and Girls Club of Contra Costa County. And also we just got approved to do financial literacy in the Juvenile Hall of Martinez. Yes, so we are connecting and we connected with the youth. Yes, also, sir. just to add to that too, right? It's just to give some exceptions to when you're at risk, right? Because like they were saying about being victims, you know, the youth is victims as well because sometimes they commit crimes because out of necessity. So they become victims and real victims and we put them in prison for a long period of time, which happened to us, right? And we had to figure out what it was what caused us to be at risk. And so we give that back to the youth to say, look, we understand where you coming from, you know what I mean? Because we was there because you, you're a victim, now you creating other victims. So we have to get together and solve this problem as a community. And we as ourselves, we have did our part to inflict pain on the community. And we had to acknowledge that and make amends. This is our way of making amends, by coming out here and demonstrating what it takes. A lot of people say that, but we actually doing it. You can see our body at work and we prove that every time. That, I was just about to ask that. So how is this part of um, your healing? You mentioned that you were part of like, you said like messing up the community and being a negative a negative influence in the community. How is this part of your, like your personal path of healing um, to give back? How does that feel for you? And um, With a spiritual connection from God, you know, I was called to do this because for being empathetic and knowing as a youth, I didn't love myself. So when I learned to understand who I was, to love myself, not to love everyone else. So that's how I'm able to do it, through love, through compassion, through sincerity, you know, through trust. And being able and to have those different components, it allows me to have this peace in myself and the gift peace and the value who I am in a very society because if I can if I can't love myself, value myself and have peace, then I can't give it to no one else. And uh, shout out your name one more time and your organization, then I'll hit you up one more time for your thoughts. My name is Lejean Reese and our organization is 100 Years Enterprise. And then uh, remind us who you are and then kind of give us your last thoughts on about like giving back and kind of like completing your, your healing journey yourself. Well, my healing process came about when I got out of 2020, I suffered a lot too as well as I lost my son. He was killed in the streets in 2018. He was murdered at a bus stop. If you don't know, his name is Patrick Scott Jr. He was killed in 2018. He got shot eight times in broad daylight. And my mother died and my brother died of violence. So what I'm looking at that is saying that, how can I put myself in a position to give back at the things I've done in the past? So with that being said, my name is Patrick Scott again. I'm a part of 100 Years Enterprise. And I'm here, you know what I mean? We're here to seek the healing and do whatever's necessary to bring the community together and help out.
And I guess people could just Google 100 Years Enterprise, but what's the best way to find you guys and connect and follow you all? Uh, any social media handles or websites? Yes, they can go to 100years.biz with the numeral 100years.biz. And that's Again, our website. Number one, spelled out 100 years. Number one, spelled out 100 years.biz. All right. Yes. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you very much. And that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Remember to check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show for links and information related to tonight's show, including 100 Years and other organizations we heard from in that last piece. Also, just a heads up, all the instrumentals you heard tonight in my pieces were from the Creative Commons YouTube site, Basement FM Hip Hop. Check it out on YouTube. I'll have a link on our website after the show. Let me give a big shout out to Reimagine Antioch and District 1 Representative Tamisha Torres Walker for helping organize and support the Stop the Violence March in Antioch. And a shout out to the Full Circle Crew Executive Producer Miss M, Joy Moore, our production consultant. And again, me, Freewell and Franklin. I am the technical director for this show, Full Circle, and I have also been your host tonight. And thanks for listening, everybody. Remember, while you're out there, please protect your health and also your humanity. And stay tuned to KPFA. Up next is La Onda Bajita. Good night, everyone. <laughs>